In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Today is, our, as I already mentioned, the last Sunday of the church year. Today the stands, the world, the, sorry, the church stands looking to the world as a grizzled old man with a crazy look in his eye holding up a sign that bears the words, the end is nigh, printed in big handwritten letters. There is a certain amount of truth in the way that, the, that we look to the world. For St. Paul writes, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. The other, a fragrance from life to life. To put it another way, we have the smell of death to those who are outside of Christ. In our extraordinarily permissive and affirming world, the church is the last institution that tells anyone that they are dying. And the reason they are dying is that they are sinners. The whole world has given itself over to sexual perversion or drug use or whatever it might be. No one likes to be told that they're wrong and they don't like that there is some God that they can't see requiring something of them. And that, dear saints, is why the world actually hates Christians. We stand as a reminder that the end is in fact nigh, and that not everyone is going, as the show calls it, to the good place. But today's parable is not for the world. Jesus tells the parable that we heard today for the church. That is, he tells it for you. After all, this parable is about ten virgins, which throughout the scriptures is a reoccurring symbol for God's people. When Jesus says then, watch, he's not talking to the world, but he's talking to us. And so with that in mind... What is Jesus telling us to watch out for? Well, first of all, this is clearly a parable of the end times. In fact, it is the first of three such parables in this chapter of Matthew's gospel alone. As I've already said, the ten virgins are the Christian church on earth. Most Lutheran theologians agree that the oil is representative of faith, but I think the, the main point of this parable is something else. And we're not to kind of wade in the details and try to figure out what each thing is. But this is a parable that Jesus tells us to be watchful for his coming. So that we're not caught off guard when he shows up on the last day. And when Jesus issues a warning, we should pay attention. He's not playing around. There are real dangers that can lull us to sleep, that is, that can take our eyes off of Christ and his coming, his saving work for us. Through the prophet Isaiah, God says, Wake yourself, wake yourself, stand up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of wrath, who have drunk to the dregs the bowl, the cup of staggering. Here, this warning is against the lure of the world. 
This cup of staggering is the cup of God's wrath over sin, which we can very clearly see in the world around us. Jesus points us to these signs. He talks of wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, divisions in families, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. All of that is a result of God's judgment against sin, God's judgment on the world. These signs could cause us to fall asleep and take our eyes off of God's saving purpose in Christ Jesus, which is why God clearly warns us of these signs in his word. He doesn't want you to be caught off guard when these things happen, as if God is not paying attention or is not powerful enough to stop the forces of chaos in our world. But there's even more that can lull us to sleep. St. Paul writes, Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Here we hear a warning against our own sinful flesh. The scriptures are full of such warnings about the enticements that our flesh receives towards laziness, strife, pleasure. It's really interesting that even as the ancient writers warned us about these things, there's really nothing new under the sun. All of these things still pull at us today. But it's also alarming how much easier the so-called progress of the world has made these things more prevalent and more available to us. How much easier is it to be lazy today than it was in the ancient world? There was no such thing as a long weekend or a vacation for the majority of people, even just 150 short years ago. Even the idea of waiting for something, delaying our gratification, is something that we are wholly incapable of doing. You want to watch the latest movie? You can just stream it online. Do you want to go to church in your pajamas? You can stream that too. Want that shiny new toy? Well, Amazon can ship it to you no longer in two days, but just a few days longer than that now. Now, maybe you balked at the idea that I said earlier that strife becomes an enticement for us. But I want you to think about how our society is today. Have you ever read the comments section under news articles or on social media posts that are even the slightest bit controversial? Or, if you're like me, have you ever been in a theological disagreement on the internet? Maybe, maybe not. But you know that there are people out there in the world that thrive on conflict. They love to argue and they love to fight. I have to admit that this is one of my own weaknesses. 
I never met a theological argument that I could simply walk away from, which is why I had to close all my social media accounts a few years ago. The endless political cycle that we live in now, we just had the midterm elections and now we already know who's running for president. The endless political cycle that we live in is proof positive that we love to argue and fight. We cannot help ourselves. Now the last one Paul mentioned in his little blurb that I read from Romans was pleasure. Pleasure is the ultimate enticement for the flesh. Whatever causes those endorphins to flow over our brains is good, and anything that makes us feel the least bit bad about ourselves is out. Likes on social media, lurid videos online, all the dings and notifications that our phones and watches make are all geared at causing that flow of endorphins to go. This is why we sometimes find ourselves reaching for our phones during any sort of lull in the action. And that's why you see often people sitting around a table at a restaurant staring at their phones. We can't help it. Now behind these temptations of the world and the flesh is of course Satan himself. His lie whispered into our ears since the Garden of Eden, did God really say, has not really changed at all. Has God really said that men should not marry other men? Has God really said that everyone is created in his image and is worthy of protection at every stage of life? If God really loved you, wouldn't he just want you to be happy? Dear saints, there are so many ways that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature try to lull us asleep, to make us unprepared for the coming of the Savior. And these dangers are real and present. For those who are not ready, who do not hear the cry of his coming at the end of all things, they will be shut out of the wedding feast. God will shut the door just as surely as he shut the door on the unbelieving world in Noah's day. And it will happen at the end of all things that some are not, make, do not make it in to the wedding feast. And remember again, we said that those ten virgins were representative of the church on earth. That those who are part of the outward fellowship of the Christian church, not all of them will make it. And this is why, dear saints, that this part of the church here is so important. For even as the virgins did fall asleep, a final cry is roused and shouted out from the heights of the mountains and the walls of the city to wake them from their sleep. Now, last, the last Sunday of the church here in which we stand is such a warning cry for us. In his mercy, God has so ordered the church that his word, whatever we hear it read and spoken and preached upon and meditated on even in our at-home devotions, each of these moments in the word of God is a warning cry for us of his return. The fact that the Holy Spirit calls us each week, even again in our home devotions to his word, is proof of God's mercy toward you. 
that he sends out his word that you would be ready and watchful for his coming. He calls you through his word that you would be ready for his coming. And he calls you through his word that on the last day, you would enter with him into the eternal wedding feast in his kingdom. Dear saints, since we belong to the day, having put on the armor of light, when we were clothed in the very righteousness of Jesus at the font, let us therefore stay awake. Let us watch for his coming. Though we do not know the hour, we do know that God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.